Daily Drive is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Find out what Reynolds is up to in the digital retailing space by visiting reyrey.com slash retail anywhere. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash retail anywhere. Hi, everyone. This is Steve Smith with Automotive News. Welcome to Daily Drive for Thursday, June 24th. Automakers have come a very long way in addressing consumer concerns with electric vehicles. EVs today go further and are offered in a variety of segments that meet the needs of consumers' varying lifestyles. It wasn't too long ago that the idea of an all-electric F-150, an all-electric Hummer, or an electrified Jeep Wrangler would have been met with much skepticism. Yet, here we are. Still, one thing has remained outside of the control of automakers. Creation of a charging network capable of conveniently and efficiently powering a fleet of EVs, particularly when it comes to personally owned passenger vehicles. Giovanni Bertolino, head of eMobility in North America, and the team at NLX are working to create the convenient EV charging solutions that people want. The company's juice box charging stations are being deployed in both residential and commercial settings, and beyond the charging technology, come equipped with software solutions that help consumers better manage how and when they charge. Consumer education, says Bertolino, is also a natural byproduct of the experience they have with the company's solution, something he says is very important to the overall adoption of EVs, particularly since understanding of where charging stations are and understanding how long it takes to charge needs to get to a point where consumers clearly see the benefit, kind of like their cell phones. He says players in the electricity and utility sectors, like NLX, have a lot of opportunity to help usher in a future of electrified transportation in the United States, both in terms of opportunities to help drive consumer adoption and opportunities to reduce the impact transportation has on the environment. He's also seeing the emergence of new business models as companies embrace those opportunities. What kind of business models? And how can the federal and state government work together to further accelerate the build-out of an EV charging network? We've reached Giovanni Bertolino, head of e-mobility in North America at NLX, at his home office outside of the Bay Area. Giovanni, thank you so much for joining me today on the Daily Drive podcast. How are you? I'm pretty good. Thanks for having me, Steve. Well, thank you for joining us. Very interesting perspectives we're going to talk about today. Um, So why don't we hop right in? How prepared is the energy sector to support fleets of EVs in America? Well, I can't speak for the entire energy sector. I can definitely speak for the electricity sector, for electric utilities and players like us. We're seeing uh, uh, electrification of, of fleet of vehicles as a, as a great opportunity to, to uh, uh, achieve a number of, of goals. Uh, I mean, uh, most importantly, to drive cleaner uh, and uh, reduce pollution, local pollutants and, uh, and, and uh, emissions that can affect our climate. And um, we're doing a lot uh, there to support the fleet electrification by providing um, smart and affordable charging solutions. First of all, uh, working with utilities to help utilities understand the impact that uh, fleet electrification will have on uh, on the grid and on energy consumption and uh, working with uh, you know um, uh, our drivers on and fleet managers and companies uh, to make adoption of uh, evs as easy as as possible 
There's a lot of conversation right now in the United States, in Washington, relative to investments in infrastructure, transportation, clean energy. A lot of that circles around installation of charging stations. What do you think about these policies that are being recommended, being proposed? And do you think what those policies call for in terms of charging station installation are going to be enough to support growth of EVs in the United States? Well, those policies are are going to be very important, very going to be extremely impactful. And we are already seeing the impact today when those policies are not even uh, in place yet. Um, The fact that you're reading every day about new makes and models of EVs coming to the market, how uh, GM and Ford and others are doubling now their investments on uh, electrifying their fleet. um, uh, is is even already a huge impact. I mean, uh, I, if you look at um, how uh, people, uh, drivers or, or fleet managers, companies are thinking about EVs, uh, they're trying to address a few key questions. I mean, do I have... Um, the right vehicles uh, to fulfill my need? Do I have the right infrastructure and access to charge my vehicles and, you know, address the infamous range anxiety? Um, and, and there, it's it's a sort of a chicken and egg uh, as usual proposition. You you need uh, uh, both uh, to, to make this transition happen. You need to have the vehicles, you need to have the charging infrastructure. And, uh, and one cannot uh, sus- uh, sustain without the other. Um, so the fact that um, already since a few years, uh, uh, a number of states have pushed policies to support uh, public charging infrastructure that uh, utilities have supported uh, consumers to install uh, charges at home has created already that backbone of infrastructure and has helped uh, more and more people uh, getting on board on on EVs uh, and uh, and the industry is as as slowly followed. Now with this uh, bold uh, push towards uh, accelerating electrification, we're seeing that uh, uh, more and more people are getting interested in in buying an EV and the market is following by offering more more EVs, uh, more models. Uh, Now we're gonna have uh, trucks um, and and everything uh, available. Um, this 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 push to um, uh, build an electric infrastructure is important. Um, it, it, it's gonna have a significant impact in addressing that range anxiety. Uh, but most importantly, in my view, it's not really the impact that we have on you know on the electrification of passenger vehicles because the truth there is that today eighty percent of drivers charge at home or maybe at the workplace, and I believe that will remain the norm. Uh, You're going to charge on the road, uh, really, if you don't have the ability to put a charger in your home, or if you're going for a long trip. But what that infrastructure will help will be electrifying not just the passenger vehicles, but also the commercial fleet. Uh, Trucks, uh, light and mid-duty vehicles, uh, which usually drive long distance as well as uh, electrify those vehicles with very high mileage, daily mileage. I'm thinking, for instance, of uh, ride-sharing vehicles, taxis. And you can't just charge at home. You will need to charge also during the day. That infrastructure will be key 
to electrify also those segments. Uh, and this, uh, this, this plan is a very good step forward in that direction. I want to talk about consumers in a few minutes, particularly what you are doing, you and your company are doing relative to the juice box and at-home charging. Before we get to that, all of this conversation around infrastructure has largely centered on Washington, Department of Energy, Department of Transportation, et cetera. What roles do states have in creating that EV infrastructure? And I'm curious if you have any uh, opinions on the recent transportation bill passed in Colorado that also has a very uh, specific focus on establishing EV infrastructure. Uh, I think uh, uh, state and, and federal government have two distinctive and complementary roles. Uh, federal money can help uh, electrify federal fleets, uh, can provide funding to electrify um, to, to support the installation of inf charging infrastructure along the uh, main highways and, 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 and key corridors and can help electrify uh, public transportation, uh, public transit, which really usually rely on, on federal funding, uh, as well as can also support uh, electrification of other uh, segments, uh, other fleets like school buses and others. So that that money will help. But then states will have a key role in directing those funds and can also devise policies that will out, uh, extend the reach of, of, of this push of these policies beyond what the federal government can, can touch upon and really uh, electrifying uh, school buses, for instance, we, we have uh, uh, five, six times more school buses on the streets than transit buses uh, or electrifying uh, a commercial fleet, uh, uh, providing charging infrastructure at, at um, uh, other locations where state have a greater uh, ability to impact or at the workplaces. I mean, there are a lot of things the state can do and we have seen uh, all the uh, those 12, 13 states, uh, part of, of, of ZIV, uh, and the impact that their policies had, like California. And you just mentioned Colorado. I mean, Colorado, with this recent bill, is, is going straight into that direction, improving uh, access to charging infrastructure uh, with equality in mind as well. I mean, we want to have that charging infrastructure be accessible to uh, to all segments of the population in, in all uh, geographies. Uh, this is going to be extremely important to, to really uh, um, provide access to electric vehicles, not just, you know, to the high-end, uh, high-speed, high-performance electric uh, vehicles, but uh, to all kinds of uh, EVs for any kind of use, uh, and as well as uh, uh, especially for if I'm thinking of ride sharing or or taxis and electrifying those, and um, so so and 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 Colorado also has directed funding to electrifying uh, transit and and school buses. That that is going to be extremely important. We have these vehicles going around all day. Um, a lot of population is there. They're traveling to highly. Uh, highly dense, uh, densely populated areas, those emissions are, are really impacting our lifestyle. Uh, this is a, a segment where I think it's it's paramount to um, uh, push forward with electrification and 
it's it's very attainable today. Uh, electric buses or school buses are available today. It's very easy to make the transition, and those incentives will be very powerful uh, in making that happen. So let's turn a little bit to consumers. Why don't we start with what NLX is doing to serve consumers at home charging needs? Can you provide an update uh, what the company is doing and, and how you are helping consumers charge at home? Yeah, I mean, that that's really the segment uh, uh, that historically we have been focusing the most. Uh, we have our product, the Juice Box, uh, which is a um, an affordable uh, charging stations, a charging station that you can install at home very easily. It's a, it's very simple to use, but it is very sophisticated in terms of the features uh, that it can provide to perform uh, a smart charging. And and smart charging, smart charging is very important. I mean, uh, if we if we think uh, uh, that in the future uh, uh, all, all these vehicles, all these electric vehicles, will connect at some point during the day to the grid, if they start charging right away, we're going to have a huge peak of demand that that the grid might have trouble uh, in coping with. Smart charging allows to manage the charging station in a way that uh, uh, reduces the cost for the driver, for the consumer, and reduces the cost uh, for the system overall, because enables to uh, stagger those charging sessions um, along the available time, uh, from the moment you plug the car to the moment you need the car to, 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 to go out again, and uh, will allow to use the existing infrastructure maybe with minimal upgrades uh, to deliver these uh, significant amount of energy that would be needed to drive vehicles around. And, and with smart charging, we're enabled consumers to make um, those choices to um, charge when, for instance, the electricity is cheaper, um, to uh, charge when the electricity is greener. I mean, we have the option, which is an option which is called Juice Net Green that allows to track the emission the carbon intensity of the electricity on the grid so you can charge more you know when more solar or wind is flowing into the grid rather than uh, electricity coming from gas or coal uh, or as well as we enable utilities to have visibility on the charging patterns of drivers and design rates and tariffs or even plan their investments to better match the 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 the, the usage patterns of EV, of EV drivers. And we can even uh, control in real time uh, chargers, I mean, whenever drivers are willing to let us do so, and, uh, um, and reduce uh, the demand on the grid at moment uh, in which uh, it might create challenges. Take, for example, uh, when we have heat waves in, in California, for instance, uh, Sometimes there is a risk of going into blackout because there is too, too much demand in the grid. In those cases, uh, we work with KISO, the, the California Independent System Operator, and whenever KISO needs it, we can reduce the load of the chargers, uh, of all the chargers that we have deployed in California, and support the grid uh, in that way. So there are a lot of things that we can do, which are pretty unique of the juice box, and uh, uh, enable uh, a, a smart usage of, of the charging infrastructure. And we believe will help uh, um, accelerating adoptions of EVs uh, without increasing investments uh, from the electricity sector to, to do so. I have to imagine, you talked about earlier about 
the work that automakers have done to offset range anxiety, to even offset some of the concerns consumers would have in terms of size of vehicle in a given segment, where you've gone from small uh, EVs to segments where they're offered in, in much larger SUVs and, and now trucks, as you point out. I have to believe that what you describe and what you're delivering at home in terms of charging also helps offset consumers' concerns with charging. I don't know what it is. I don't know how to manage it. I don't know if I'm paying too much, too little. What you're describing seems to me as a way to further not only educate consumers, but also help offset some of the fears that they might have around charging. Would you Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, you're in total control of your charging activities. You can monitor how much energy goes into your car. So, of course, you're going to receive your bill from your utility, but you're going to know exactly how much of that uh, you're using for your car and, and get an estimate of how much you're spending. And you're going to realize that when you move to EV, especially if you have the opportunity to charge at home, you're going to spend much less than uh, you were spending before uh, when going to the gas stations. And, and even more now with gas prices going to the roof. Um, so, so consumers are in control. They understand how much they're consuming. Uh, they understand where the energy is coming from. They can optimize around carbon emission if they care so. We're even offering an option which is called Juice Eco to really uh, offset uh, the carbon emissions of their driving. Because, you know, the electricity that comes into your house, you don't know whether... It, how much renewable that is. If you want to be sure that you're driving 100% clean, uh, we're offering an option through Juice Echo to make sure that in the US, uh, an equivalent amount of renewable energy is produced and put into the grid that matches your consumption with your with your vehicle. And, and for fleets, uh, we're giving all that visibility to fleet managers. So take, for example, a company who has uh, thousands of, of, of vehicles for, for instance, for their sales force, of their maintenance crews, uh, and they want to electrify. How, how do you cope with uh, charging when oftentimes those vehicles, uh, I mean, employees can take those vehicles home? Uh, in that case, we're offering the option to install chargers at home of their employees, uh, but the fleet manager will know how much energy goes into those vehicles at home, at the homes of their employees, can measure that and can reimburse their employees for the amount of electricity that comes from their bill, from the electric bill. So there are ways uh, that our platform enables to make this transition very seamless and, and easy to manage. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back with more. As online experiences exploded this past year, it was clear dealers needed an approach that kept them in business for the long term. Chris Walsh, Casey Edwards, and Dave Bates, top Reynolds executives, sat down to discuss today's digital retailing landscape. Here's an excerpt from that roundtable discussion. So what are dealers trying to do to get this fully online and online to in-store experience? I mean, that's a great question. And honestly, it's, a, it's kind of a hard one to answer because retailers are kind of defining and using digital retailing differently. You know, to some dealers, it's selling a car. To other, it's sales and F&I. And they, they tend to be approaching it in chunks versus, you know, kind of a holistic, holistic approach. And then you end up just focusing on one or two things when you need to focus on, you know, more of a big picture. 
Digital retailing is dealership operations, period. Reynolds' Retail Anywhere approach focuses on streamlining dealership operations and improving profitability. For more information about this big-picture, holistic approach, visit reyrey.com slash retailanywhere. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash retailanywhere. A lot of the folks that I talk with on the show about EVs say that consumers don't yet understand how in the long term charging is going to be more convenient than filling up the way that they're used to today. Why is the convenience at at home charging so important to consumer adoption? A number of things. First of all, you don't need to go anymore to the gas station. You don't get into the car in the morning and realize, oh, I need to stop in the gas station on my way to work. That is gone. I mean, the the car becomes like your cell phone. You can plug it every night, and every morning it's fully charged. Um, extremely easy. Uh, and then if you couple that, maybe it, you might have charging opportunities also at work or whenever you go. Basically, your car is always charged. Your, your range anxiety actually doesn't exist. Um, it's only when you want to make a, a long trip that, okay, you need to plan for one or two stops along the way to get where you want to go. Uh, but as soon as you start driving an EV, you're going to realize that door stops are not really lengthening your trip because you would have stopped anyway. And in my experience, every time I stop over, for instance, when I go to Tahoe uh, and I make one stop uh, uh, along the way, I always feel that the car charge, charges faster than whatever else I'm doing, you know, making a snack, taking a snack, making a break. So uh, charging becomes very easy and straightforward. The other benefit is, of course, cost. Uh, driving an EV will cost you less. The cost of, let's say, fuel, uh, the, the, using electricity rather than, than gasoline uh, is, is cheaper. Uh, um, and in fact, you see that uh, on average, EVs are driving more miles than internal combustion engines because people are realizing that it's convenient to more convenient to drive EVs, and 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 second and and third thing is is maintenance. I mean, uh, uh, driving an EV uh, doesn't require you to go to the mechanic. Uh, uh, I mean, you're, you're going to do some tire rotation, which are standard, but really tires are the only thing that gets consumed. Even brakes, you, you're not using brakes because with regenerative braking, you're, you're, you're pushing that pedal very little and the brake pads do not consume either. Uh, so overall, uh, EVs have a, a, a lower um, uh, cost uh, to operate and maintain and uh, they are just more convenient because it's so easy to charge at home or at the workplace. The car will become like your cell phone. I have heard that frequently with regard to telematics, connected vehicles. I have never heard that through the lens of electric vehicles. I love that. And I think that term itself would resonate with consumers when you're talking about about electric vehicles. That's terrific. Let's talk about this notion of buying a car and buying at at home charging station. Do you think that consumers who feel they need to purchase both of those pieces of equipment will shy away from EVs because of that? Um, I don't think so. Um, 
I don't think so, because uh, when you start reading about EVs, when you talk with your friends who have an EV, you realize how beneficial it is having a home charger. Then, of course, there is the challenge that getting a, a, a charger installed requires a few steps, right? I mean, buying the charger is super easy, and the charger itself is a rather cheap piece of equipment. Um, what it takes is having the electrical work performed at your home. So first of all, you need to have you know a place where you can install a charger. That's very easy for more than 50% of the US population who have independent houses with a attached garage. Um, uh, but even there, you need to make sure that your electrical panel can support it, that it's not too far away from your garage. So the installation cost can range anywhere between, you know, $300 and $2,000. So in some cases, people might, you know, think twice. Even in that case, you can have tax deduction. There are incentives that many utilities are providing or states are providing. And the convenience uh, of uh, just having a home charger will outweigh the benefit. Not to mention that more and more we'll see that uh, people will attach a value uh, to that upgrade when looking for a new house. So we'll start seeing at some point that people will look for houses that already have uh, a charging station installed and that will be beneficial. Uh, so I would see that as, an, as a valuable investment no matter what. Um, for those who don't have a garage, then of course, uh, I mean, there, there, there are options for MUDs uh, um, or, and, 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 and real estate developers to um, deploy chargers in, in shared garages. And, uh, and I think that there are a number of cities who are going in the right direction in, in mandating the installation of, of, of chargers in their codes. Uh, for the future, uh, future-proofing those those buildings, um, but uh, you also have the option usually to charge outside. I mean, I have friends uh, who don't have a charger at home, and uh, they're they're living just fine. The only vehicles are EVs. They have they have two EVs, and they charge charge wherever they can, and they're just fine. But I think having uh, a charger at home, um, it's Add so much convenience uh, that most people will um, will go that route. Talking about commercial players installing charging stations, are there new business models that you are seeing emerge as they support this push towards electrification or carve out their role in an electrified future? So, I mean, we're seeing a number of players who are very active in that space, uh, as well as as well as us. There are players who are really uh, investing um, millions of dollars to deploy public charging networks, and their business model is to own and operate charging stations. They're leveraging incentives whenever they're available. They're leveraging funding that they need to spend because of different reasons. Uh, they're also spending the money that investors are giving them. I mean, you've seen how many uh, players in this field are going public and raising money to invest because there is a, a, a very high expectation that will this will be a very high growth segment. So these players 
arguing the traditional model or, or the more straightforward model of you know owning and operating charging stations selling uh, uh, a service to EV drivers which is charging their their vehicles um, this will continue to grow because there will be need for for this there are also other business model which is another business model which is uh, providing uh, charging stations and in uh, all the services around to um, um, commercial businesses uh, uh, that want to provide that um, access to their customers to people who drive by uh, and and they want to own however they're willing to own the stations and so this is a sort of you know um, a charging network operator as a service where you can come up with uh, some revenue sharing mechanism with the site host who owns the asset and uh, a player like us like others can offer that uh, that service uh, to to uh, to that site host uh, and the service is then providing charging stations to 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 customers uh, this is really in the space of public charging and then we'll, we'll see you know um people coming in providing installation services maintenance services there will be a, an ecosystem that will uh, grow around uh, public public charging um, there are also uh, other models that we'll see developing uh, uh, I believe we'll see at some point uh, uh, charging uh, parking lots with charging stations dedicated, for instance, to support the charging of a ride-sharing fleet or commercial fleet. We'll see hubs where different players who own, who own fleet of uh, EVs might go and recharge. Um, or, and similar concept might happen for, for buses. Uh, for shuttle buses, for transit vehicles, uh, where we're going to have uh, this model of, you know, a charging hub available. Um, and there might be others. Um, there, there will be solutions specific for, for fleet uh, um, and so on. I, I guess these are the main ones that I'm seeing at the moment. Certainly a lot of excitement in this space. Let's close with... Looking ahead the next five to 10 years, you've already talked a lot a lot about things that are emerging, where the future of electrification is going. Are there two or three emerging trends that you are watching very closely over the next five to 10 years? Um, I think the most important one is, is really uh, how fast we're going to have choice of um, of vehicles, uh, that that really will be the driver for accelerating EV adoption. The speed at which uh, the uh, automotive industry is going to invest will be a key driver for 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 adoption. Um, next thing will be um, what we call uh, vehicle grid integration. And uh, it's what I was mentioning before, uh, what we are already doing in California, the ability to control load um, uh, of a portfolio of chargers. This thing uh, will be critical as we have more and more uh, EV load on the grid. Um, so there, there will be uh, a, a significant growth on the uh, adoption of vehicle grid integration solutions. And we'll see also how different markets and systems utilities uh, will 
adjust uh, the rules, the rules of the market of the electricity market and the way they work uh, to be able to leverage more and more the flexibility that uh, uh, charging enables. Uh, as I mentioned, you don't need to charge right away. You have time to charge what you need for your car. So that flexibility will allow to keep down costs of, uh, uh, of the electric infrastructure. And the next generation of that, the next level of that uh, is what is called uh, uh, V2G, vehicle to grid, where not only you reduce the load that uh, charging station is having on the grid, but you can potentially flow back the energy which is stored in the battery of your vehicle back to your house, to your building, to the grid. Um, we've seen, we're seeing that some uh, car manufacturers are starting mentioning that, offering that. That will be at some point, uh, will, will become very important because at the end, I mean, these cars are batteries on wheels and uh, will allow to provide greater resilience uh, to our grid, uh, or at least to our houses, which, you know, we know what happened in Texas a few months ago. Uh, something like that will be extremely beneficial. So the technology in the cars and the technology in the charging station that you can install at home, that you can install in your business, and the software driving that will be critical to enable that model. Giovanni, thank you so much for spending some time with me today on the Daily Drive podcast and sharing your perspectives on electric vehicles in charging. I appreciate your time. Thank you. That's Daily Drive for Thursday, June 24th. For breaking news, go to autonews.com. And to catch up on all of our episodes of Daily Drive, go to autonews.com forward slash daily drive. As always, thanks for listening. I'll be back tomorrow to close the week with a conversation exploring the use of virtual and augmented reality technology in the automotive industry. <laughs>